Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Welcome! I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film, and this is Cinnabuds. This week, we are talking about Jazz Fest, a New Orleans story. There is nothing like playing the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. Nothing in the world. Yes, we're talking about Jazz Fest in New Orleans story, and this week uh, to join me and talk about this film is my buddy, 88.9's very own, Dory Zori. I was waiting for my number to be called, and this is the moment. <laughs> this is my big shot. Hey, Polly. It's so exciting. We've known each other for a long time. We have. Beyond my days at 88.9, beyond right. your days at Milwaukee Films, so... Yeah. Maybe that's setting up a little bit too much expectation for the listener. That's true. Uh, lower, but, I always tell them, uh, you're new to this, so I always tell them, uh, please lower your expectations okay. as much as you can, because then you'll be delighted by whatever we do. Nice. Uh, yeah, this week we're going to get more into just our general relationship. I think that's going to be 90% of Everybody the wants to know. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys do together? Uh, but we are <laughs> going to talk about uh, the new documentary about Jazz Fest just came out this year. It is currently playing online. I believe I saw it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. I believe so. And uh, it is a uh, incredible deep dive into uh, the New Orleans Jazz Fest, which is 50 years old. 50 years old. Oh, 50 plus actually by now. Yep, 50. They just had their 51st Jazz yeah. Fest. And without any spoilers, I did learn that there were only two years where they didn't have the Jazz yeah. Festival. And it was the 2020 and 2021 because of COVID. Right. They even had one the year of Katrina. Yeah. Which really kind of almost goes to the heart of this documentary. It's more 100%. than just yeah. a, about a music festival. It's really about the city of New Orleans. Yeah. That is what I liked so much about it. Well, I was, you've you've jumped right in. I was going to ask you how you liked it, but I think I, I think I know. <laughs> I mean, I love a good music documentary, <laughs> yeah. right? So um, we can talk about that in a minute. But yeah, the core story behind it, the people and the perseverance yeah. of New Orleans. Oh, loved it. I know it was. I've. Uh, I want to talk about New Orleans specifically in a minute. I don't want to give. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, whether or not we've been there before separately, we're not going to tell. Uh, but uh, it was really interesting to see that it was, you're right, more about uh, the whole city, the history of the city, the history of the music in the city. There's even a part about the food of the city, which mm. I really liked, uh, but intertwined with the history of this festival and the people in this festival, from Mahalia Jackson to Al Green to Bruce Springsteen, uh, Jimmy Buffett, if you like. <laughs> Who knew that Jimmy Buffett was such a core artist there for the jazz festival? And that's the cool thing that they talked about, too, is, yes, at the basis, right, New Orleans is the birth of jazz. But the jazz festival is about so much more than that. And it's really inclusive to other genres of music, whether it's soul, gospel, R&B, yeah. which all have roots in jazz and they're all related. But I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. Seeing Katy Perry on stage was really kind of cool. It seems like from the very beginning of the festival, it was not named accurately. Mm -hmm. It's called Jazz Fest, but it's just a music fest, including heavy, heavily in jazz, but 
also so much more. Uh, all these different um, world music, yeah. uh, you know, you're introduced to through it. So it, it's really astounding, like the whole history. So. Well, they have the word heritage in the festival name. And the cool thing that they said in the documentary, yeah. if you remember, was heritage doesn't just mean what came before. To them, heritage is oh, where are great. we going now? Yeah. Where Where is the, the future of music? And yeah. it's like blends together all these genres. We play it on the radio station all the time and jazz fest artists really, you know, that's why they have unexpected voices there, I think. Yeah, The heritage sure. part, right? We are going to talk a lot more about this movie. We're going to talk about music in general. Uh, we're going to talk about what else we watched uh, right after this. Stick around. Don't stress about that car you don't need. Embrace the lazy days of summer by donating it to Radio Milwaukee. We accept many kinds of vehicle donations, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, and even RVs. Pickup is free, and you could get a tax deduction. Donate your vehicle now, and then kick back and enjoy the great music and stories you help to support. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars to start your donation today. And we're back. We're back. I'm back with Dory Zori. We're talking about Jazz Fest, a New Orleans story. So impressive. The first year Jazz Fest was 1972. The lineup, uh, Duke Ellington, B.B. Yeah. King, Professor Longhair, Mahalia Jackson. I mean, that was just a sliver of the right. lineup. Can you imagine? The, it, I mean, they immediately give you a bit of a montage of like everyone that's been involved uh, in the film. They get you, you see all the musicians peppered throughout their history. And it's very overwhelming. I mean, if you liked Summer of Soul that came out oh last year, which was one of the best music docs I've mm-hmm. ever seen, this is so similar in the sense that it gives you the history of the place, it gives you the history of the people, and then also an unbelievable lineup. Yeah. The thing that struck me, too, is I love a good talking head. So they had the founders of the festival yeah. talking, and one has since passed away, I think, since the documentary oh, okay, came yeah. out. But they had so many great musicians, too, and it was a great blend of musicians now talking about their experiences back then, like Earth, Wind, and Fire playing like almost every single year since 1978 were a part of it. But then they had these snippets of musicians I've never even heard of before, the new jazz generation in New Orleans talking, Boyfriend. Yeah, there were so many musicians, and I thought, well, Dory's going to know all these people, Uh and I didn't know a lot of these people. I was taking notes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I need to listen to this boyfriend album. This she comes out in curlers yeah. and lingerie, and that's her thing. And she's kind of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I was because they talked to her before you hear her perform, and I thought, oh, okay, she's somebody I'm just not familiar with because mm-hmm. I'm woefully uh, ill-informed on a current music. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is, everyone knows this person surely. And then and then she performed, and I was like, that is not what I expected. Mm-hmm. Would that happen a couple of times, which is delightful. I love being surprised. Me too. The other things that kind of made me take notes. So I was really excited um, to see Al Green, the Reverend Al Green, as a reverend in his church back in the day before they showed him on stage uh, a couple of years ago at the Jazz Fest. So those kind of connections between early archival footage of the festival or what was happening in New Orleans outside of that, married with what happens at the festival now, just made it so interesting to me. The Al Green part, I'm glad you brought it up. Because I got chills. Mm. I kind of, it's one of those things. So let me give you a little context. I stopped 
uh, understanding or absorbing new music, I feel like 15 years ago. Okay. I mean, that's not, that's a huge exaggeration, but I honestly, there's a lot of stuff, the stuff I like in this I, is from a definite period of time. It happens which, to a lot of people. And I think you and I, I mean, you work here, so you're obviously, and you're attuned to this, but we are both 80s. 80s, 80s children, yeah. 80s babies. And so I realize I keep going back to a lot of stuff I, that I discovered, even if it wasn't 80s music. It's stuff I discovered when I was in that period or in the 90s a little bit. And I keep, Al Green is one of those people who I keep forgetting how much I like Al Green. Mm-hmm. And then when I see him again or am reminded, then I have this resurgence. So last night I was on the way, I was driving back home and I listened to so much Al Green in the car. And I was like, oh yeah, he did this song, he did that song. But see, you're right, seeing him. Actually, this is a good segue. I was going to bring this up. Seeing him in his church was really amazing. Uh, Another bit of context. I am not a particularly religious person. Same. Right? Same. But they also talk about the the um, the gospel tent, which is it has a long history at Jazz Fest, and the gospel tent is where gospel music obviously is show is played uh, at the festival, and you get people going. It's like such an attraction there. You get people going there who aren't necessarily mm-hmm. super religious people, and they go in there, and it's just this energy of celebration and happiness mm-hmm. that people say they go there. Boyfriend, I think, was even saying uh, she was like, "I went in there and I left crying or with chills and like right because yeah. gospel music at its core is about." Um, redemption and forgiveness and just seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. And you can take the God part out of it and still get all the feels. Like to me, Christopher, going to music festivals and live music is like my church. That is the closest that I get to going to church. (laughs) And uh, so I can't even imagine. I would spend all day in the gospel tent because how could you not feel good around the energy of people coming together and singing their collective voices? And smiling. And like Mm -hmm. that, it's... I, I was. Uh, this is a bold statement from somebody who knows nothing of either of these two worlds, uh, either of religion or music. But I, <laughs> I make a bold statement when I watched it. I go, "This is the best hope for modern Christianity." Mm-hmm. Is this gospel tent? Take like a note. it is. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> it is positive. It's celebratory. It's not telling you what you shouldn't do, what you can't do. It's saying, "Look what we did. Yep. Look how look how great everything is." Mm-hmm. Man, that is the closest. I'll ever get to being uh, saved. (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. And as a, as a super big fan of music festivals, you know, there's a lot of documentaries out right now about music festivals terribly gone wrong. And there's a place oh, yeah, to watch right. those two, right? Yeah. Like it gives me a lot of anxiety because my experience around music festivals are almost always super positive. Right. So to see a documentary about this music festival that's been around for so long and been through so many different things um, with what's been going on in New Orleans and yeah. the world and music just as a music festival lover made me just want to go there even more. It's yeah. like this, this, um, it's not permanent structures there, right? It's on a, not a campground, fairground. a fairground, yeah, right? Yeah. So they keep every year they put up the structures and there's, I think there's a beauty to that, yeah. to even seeing how they were building stuff in the beginning. You kind of feel like this is, this is a journey that a lot of people go on at the end in the credits. Did you see people with their badges that yeah. work there? That Showing had, how many festivals they've attended. Yeah. That was really nice. Yeah. How much they work there. So I feel like it's really a part of life for a lot of people in new yeah. Orleans, but then the festival brings people from around the world. So it was, it's incredible. I, at the end of it, I was realizing like, I have never heard of this festival. Uh, I've, 
I watched this for 90 minutes and I'm so invested. The the part you mentioned where they say at the end, like the only times they canceled this festival is during Mm -hmm. COVID. There was a beautifully timed pause. Mm. And then it says, but the 51st just is happening or just happened. And they did come back. I felt that like I held my breath, like, but wait, did they come back? Are they going to come back? I was so invested in this thing. I'd never heard of after, after 90 minutes because yeah, it does give you a, a real, it, it gives you a sense of the importance of it for everybody there. So having all those interviews and all that archival footage is really great, but it really takes a good editor to put it all together to give you that kind of drama and emotional ro- yeah. roller coaster that you go through when you're watching it. And although I didn't write down who the director was, and this is where we could use our expert, yeah. I um, would watch anything that they put together yeah. <laughs> because I just, you can make... That could have been a very different documentary without weaving the story together like they did. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much. And now I'm just thinking about all my other my other favorite things. Um, also, there was a quote, Christopher, that said, it's a music cultural city, not a music business city, which oh, I think goes yeah. back to what makes New Orleans so special and why this festival has thrived there as that opposed to a true. different city. I want to give you another quote but from one of, my, one of my favorite segments was about the Marsalis family, mm. which is Ellis Marsalis and his kids are, who are all brilliant jazz musicians and seeing them all play together, which they say is a rare thing and to see them all. And I remember Branford Marsalis was one I'm most familiar with because in the eight, again, in the eighties and mm-hmm. the nineties, like he appeared in all these different shows, but um, he said, uh, and he was, he seems like a very humble guy, but. He said, it's uh, it's really nice to be wanted without having your picture in the post office. Yeah. And I thought, you are an adorable <laughs> old man who is incredibly talented and very funny. Uh, I loved that. But it was that gave me chills, like watching their family play together. For all those years since they were wee little kids. I know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. this is what I was teasing before. Have you ever been to New Orleans? I haven't, but I'm actually headed there on the 26th of this month for a work conference. And now I am more excited than ever to go. What perfect timing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, do you get to spend any time there? Do you think you, I mean, but with outside of work? Yep. I'm going to spend some time there outside of work. So I'm just, you know, before it was kind of, I know I need to see a second line somewhere. I need, I know I need to take like some tours of the historic buildings, but I, I got to find music. Oh, speaking of second line, I realized that when I die, and I'm going to say this on the radio mm-hmm. so everyone can just attest to it and so my wishes are, are adhered to, I would like a New Orleans funeral mm-hmm. more than anything else. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be there, but I want trombones and I want a uh, preferably older man at the front of it with a really ornate outfit on, kind of waving with his arms really high. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want people to be very upset. Oh, we I, will be. I want people to wail and be unconsolable. <laughs> then, or separately, I want people to do that celebratory mm-hmm. music playing. I mean, how would, I don't know why we don't, again, this is what I'm saying about the gospel tent. I don't know why we don't follow this model everywhere. I know. Joy, celebration, 24-7. Well, I'm putting my end of life needs out there. The party for me is going to end with a dance party at Mad Planet is my wishes. Oh, that's good. So See? They- this is it's it's catching on, guys. I have been to New Orleans. Um, I went two years ago, I believe, uh, maybe three years ago, 
And it was my first trip there. And it was my partner's second trip there. She was really excited. And I luckily had a friend who lived there so they could show me around and everything. And it is palpable. She said the same thing. She said, you can feel the energy. We were watching this movie together. You can feel that different energy that you don't get in other cities. And I was like, that's true. When I was there, I felt different. Like it just seemed people were, I don't know. It, I, I, it's almost, you can't really spell it out, but like how they talk about the city there. I mean, there's people are so dedicated to the city, even though at any minute it could flood again. Mm-hmm. Like they're always prepared for this eventuality in this amazing historic city that you got to preserve. So I, it, it's, it made sense having been there, but had I not, it would be like, oh, I got to get there as soon as possible. Yeah, I can't wait to meet the people of yeah. New Orleans oh, too. Yeah. Just as much as the food and the music, it's really just getting to hear some stories. Like I'd love to just sit on a bench yeah. and have some <laughs> old timer tell me their stories yeah. about what they were doing sitting on this bench 50 years ago. Exactly. And I feel like you can get that out of New Orleans. Yeah. Oh, I imagine so. I imagine so. So Jazz Fest in New Orleans story. How do we rate? Do you ever... Two thumbs up. <laughs> I whatever thumbs I have available, I will <laughs> I will happily give. No, I just really I thought it's definitely worth watching, and everyone really should check it out if you're into music, New Orleans, or just nice, good people. Yeah, and good vibes. I promise you'll feel good at the end of this film. I mean, parrot heads are in it. They're all about the good vibes. Mm-hmm. Wasting the g- away. <laughs> what else have you been watching? Woo woo, Dory. No pressure. Mm-hmm. It can be movies. That's okay. what it usually is. But it doesn't have to be. It can be TV. It can be a book you read. It could be just something you want to call out. It can be Ooh. anything. It could be music. Okay. So um, the first thing that comes to mind is I did watch Cheryl, the Cheryl Crow documentary oh, yeah, this yeah. weekend. Um, just because I've always had a good idea of her career and I know it's prolific. But I just want to kind of see some behind the scenes stuff. And while I didn't love it as much as I love this one, when it really got into how, reminding me of how groundbreaking she has been, not only as a musician, but a female musician and a producer and really trying to cut through a lot of crud in the music industry, it made me really, really excited. And then I was really invested in that story. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I watched that this weekend, but you know, anything Star Wars, I am all over. I did not know this about you. Oh my gosh. I've loved Star Wars since I was a little single digits seeing Star Wars in the theater. When you were baby Yoda. When I was baby, yeah, baby (laughs) Princess Leia. And then, so the new Obi-Wan Kenobi. Princess Leia, I just, baby Yoda was front of mind. (laughs) I mean, I do have baby Yoda pajamas and a small and a large baby Yoda squishy that um, were my happy place during COVID. Oh man, this is great to know. Yeah. I also like Star Wars. I'm not like a hardcore Star Wars fan but I any, but same if anything Star Wars comes out I'm going to watch it because mm-hmm. I wanted to be I haven't finished I watched a couple episodes of the um, Obi-Wan the Obi-Wan yeah. show um, but I, everything else I think I've consumed I mean Obi-Wan was so it. exciting because you thought it was really going to be about Luke and it wasn't yeah. it was about Leia <laughs> so go watch that you guys even if you don't think you like Star Wars if you've got a little girl in your family this is a cool movie to watch with yeah. her, or a series, I should say. Oh, that's great. Now, you ask me. Kay Polly. Yes? What have you been watching? Oh, nothing. Oh, wait. And no, interview. Yeah, yeah, we're done. <laughs> um, actually, I want to talk about a book, but it's connected to a movie a little bit. Oh, yeah. So I just read, I'm uh, obsessed a little bit right now with Shirley Jackson, who wrote The Lottery as a famous sh- short story, but she wrote... Um, 
we have always lived in the castle. And then I just read probably our most popular book, which is The Haunting of Hill House. Oh. Classic, like, ghost haunted house story. Is this super scary, though? It's, well, the interesting thing is none of the movies they've made of it are scary. Okay. Most of them are actually quite bad. Uh, except, <laughs> except I think there's, like... I, I mix them up, but there's one from that era, that early era that is supposed to be really good. I haven't watched it yet, but the, the book is really great. It is about a doctor who brings, uh, three people into a house because he's studying, you know, the, um, uh, supernatural phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And he has these three people he selects to come stay in this house and help him observe. And then the house is, you know, starts to affect them. But it's interesting. I've never read a book that's a haunted house story. I've only seen like I've seen you know, we've all seen tons of mm. horror movies like it. The book was great because it's not you're not going to see the jump outs. It's you don't have that. So you really see the characters start to be affected by the house and you can write it in a way that you can't show it. I mean, you probably could show it if you did before. a better job, but people make Ghost stories, they're like, no, we have to sell it, so jump scares and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Ghost monster. It's like a psychological. It is, and it was really great. Um, and it reminded me, I need to watch The Haunting of Hill House from the, like, 40, again, 40s or 30s. Yeah, probably start with the Rust, OG. Rust Hamblin is in it. Um, but also, highly recommend, uh, there's a movie that is sort of a, almost like fan fiction of Shirley Jackson called Shirley that came out in 2020. And it uh, stars Elizabeth Moss as Shirley Jackson. It's a really good movie that is a fictionalized account based on, you know, rough facts about her life when her and her husband was at this college. And it's not a scary movie. It's like more just like a psychology of their relationship. Mm -hmm. But that's a great movie. But yeah, I'm obsessed with Shirley Jackson right now. So I'm going to cancel all my plans and just watch movies. Obviously, the world would be a better place. Wouldn't it start with... Jazz Fest. <laughs> Start with Jazz Fest and with Shirley, and then you'll be all set. This was fun. This was super fun. Can we talk again next week? We shall. Stay tuned, everybody. Um, but for today, I think that is going to be it. And I want to tell you that Cinnabuds is produced by the one and only DJ Kenny Perez. He's the DJ only one. DJ Kenny Perez. DJ Kenny Perez. That is a good chant that should be used more. <laughs> Uh, and the Cinnabuds theme song is by Milwaukee musician Brett Newski. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Doesn't get better than that. And we also get support from our beautiful members, both from Radio Milwaukee and from Milwaukee Film. Hey, <laughs> I'd like to say right now, any of you members that made it to the end of this podcast, you're my new favorite people. Yeah, I know. How do you do it? Every time. <laughs> Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Cinebuds and visit RadioMilwaukee.org slash podcast. You can see our whole back catalog. I mean, just take a whole weekend and listen to several half hours of us. And finally, <laughs> at Cinebuds Podcast is on Instagram. We hope you'll follow us. There's some fun to interact with you on there. And finally, thank you guys so much for listening. It's been a lot of fun, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.